0: If you would please turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you do not see Him, you love Him. And though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him. You greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, what a rich passage. What a, what a joy it is to be able to unpack that thing. And I, I pray, Lord, for clarity. There is so much in here. There is so much that needs to be understood. It needs to be said. But Lord, we know without the illuminating power of the Holy Spirit, we would not be able to comprehend the depths of these truths. Uh, and they're so rich for us. They're so necessary uh, for our Christian life. They're, they're just laying out principles for us that are so so important. So I pray for clarity. I pray for understanding. And Lord, I, I pray for implementing things into our life as well. When we come to understand, we recognize that you have to be the one to illuminate uh, these things to us. But when we come to understand it, it is our responsibility to apply them, to implement them into our lives. Help us to be doers of the Word and not merely hearers. And I pray that you would be honored and glorified. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we have been discussing salvation the past uh, several weeks, five weeks, five or six weeks now. And we've come to... Uh, last week we come to the topic of the security of our salvation. Are we secure? Will uh, the is our is our salvation um, is it security? Is it secure? We would call it or entitle it the the security of the believer, the perseverance of the saints, eternal security. Uh, I think you get the idea. Is our salvation fail? proof and what we see in scripture is that it is in fact it's very clear in scripture that we cannot lose our salvation but there are those who would say yes you can lose your salvation in spite of how clear scripture is there are those who would think that yes you can you can fall away from the faith you who are children of god can now be children of the devil you who are alive spiritually can die again spiritually you who were who are now found can be lost again, and they would point to scripture and there 's plenty of scriptures that would uh, that would uh, make us think if we misunderstand those scriptures, many scriptures can uh, can be uh, twisted a little bit to understand that we could lose our salvation and I want to show you some of these scriptures so that you 're not tripped up. Turn over to Romans chapter eight Romans chapter eight now we 're just going to look at a few of these and We'll, we'll go quickly. Romans chapter 8 and verse 31. Jesus said to them, to the Jews here, who were believing in him. He says, if you continue in my word, then you are truly my disciples. Now the implication here is, if you don't continue, then you're, then you're not. If you don't continue, then you've, and you fall away, you're no longer saved. That's the way they would paint that verse. John chapter 15. Turn over a few chapters over. John 15 In verse 6, this is a crucial passage for this. If anyone does not abide in me, see, that's the abiding, that's remaining. If anyone doesn't abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dried up. And they cast them and they, I mean, I'm sorry, they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. So you, see, you lose your salvation if you don't hang on. If you don't abide in Christ, then, then, you're, then you'll lose your salvation. Romans. Turn over to Romans. They take verses like Romans chapter 2 and verse 6. What Paul said here. He said this. He said, Who will render to each person according to his deeds. Now this is God. This is in judgment of God. And He's going to render according to your deeds according to your deeds to those who are who by persevering or perseverance in good deeds seek for glory but in verse 8 for those who are selfishly ambitious and so it would appear that god is going to reward those those good deeds with eternal life and those bad deeds with eternal judgment and they would say see you can lose your salvation you can you can all be gone look over Romans chapter 11 verse 22 Romans 11:22 Behold then the kindness and the severity of God to those who fall severity so they would say see you can lose your salvation you could fall away you can fall from grace but to you God's kindness if you continue in your in his kindness otherwise you will you'll be cast off How do you handle those verses? How do you handle... There's several more. Now, Christ taught us, though, if you remember the teachings of Christ, that He taught that there will be those who will attach themselves to Him. There will be those who will attach themselves to His ministry, attach themselves to the church. But then they will fall away. He, He mentions in Matthew chapter 13. Remember the parable of the sower? They will um, they will quickly spring up. There will be some who will who will grab hold of the gospel and receive the gospel. But then, uh, when the trials of life come and the temptation of, of and the lure of money comes along, they will they will fall away. And the implication here is they they have a loose attachment. They don't have genuine faith, but they have a loose attachment to his ministry. And he goes on to teach. If you remember, um, Christ taught that Satan himself will come down and, and he will implant, even within the church, those tares among the wheat, those, uh, those goats among the sheep, and those false teachers within the church, and even just an attachment to the church. They appear on the outside. Oh, they're part of the body of Christ, but that's the visible church. It's not the, it's not the real body of Christ. And, and then some will fall away. And it will appear that people are losing their salvation. And Jesus warned. And the New Testament warns about those who would attach themselves to the church. And then fall away. He warns. If you do that, you are not. It gives evidence that you're not really saved to begin with. And this passage makes it clear. These passages make it clear that you have to continue. Continue. And that gives evidence of genuine faith. The continuing does. Now the best passage, one of the best passages to understand this is First John. Turn over to First John chapter 2. And, and John just kind of lays it out so clearly for us. He says this very intensely. He said, they went out from us. So they were part of the church, but they went out from us. Verse 19, first John chapter 2 verse 19. They went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, if they had been really, truly, genuinely saved, a part of the body of Christ, they would, they would remain, and there's our word, they would remain with us. But they went out so that it would be shown that they all are not of us. Not everyone who attaches themselves kind of loosely to the church. Not everyone who, who uh, was following Jesus at one time was genuinely saved. They were not genuine believers or genuine disciples of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ warned them. And we see warnings throughout the, the New Testament. You give evidence of genuine faith by continuing. By remaining by abiding, and so there's warnings and there's passages in scriptures that would, that would cause us to to give thought: Is this real? Is this genuine? And so we've been looking at these passages, particularly in First Peter, about our, the security of our salvation. Is it secure? Is it secure? And we find that Scripture says, "Yes, you are." Uh, if you are a genuine believer you will not fall away you will continue your salvation is secure and we've been looking at 1 Peter and this is a wonderful passage and it's important that we look at 1 Peter why because Peter understands full well the frailty of man doesn't he he understands that man cannot keep himself saved and if man will fall away he if man can fall away he will fall away Peter was a prime example of that He fell away. He knew how frail he was. He understands how difficult it is. But he also knows the protecting power of God as well. Peter does. He knows that. And he remembers Christ saying, Look, Peter, Satan desires to have you, but I've prayed for you. I've prayed that your faith would not fail. And Peter fell away, but his faith never failed. Peter came back, didn't he? He came back. And that's the big difference. So, so Peter, he's he's unpacking these truths for these this church, these churches throughout Asia Minor who are under persecution and who need to know right up front that their salvation is secure and that, that faith will protect them. And that's what he says here. He's laying this out for them. And it's so good to hear because uh, those who are facing persecution, they need to know that they're... They're secure in Christ. But the key to this, the idea is in verse 5. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 5. Who are protected. We are protected by God. Protected by the power of God. Now, does God have power to protect us? Yes. And that's kind of even an understatement. God has the power to, to be able to speak the universe into existence. Out of nothing. With full maturity. He doesn't, just, he doesn't have to plant the seed and, and watch it grow. No, He can speak it. That's power. And we are protected by the power of God. Now look, through faith. This faith is a key component. This faith is so important and integral to our salvation. It's through faith that we are protected. And if you look down at verse 9, we'll look at this in a little bit. Obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your soul. That faith is integral. It is an important part. So the key idea here is that we are protected by God through faith. And so this is what I want you to see. You can see it on the screen. The believers, salvation is absolutely secure through the preservation of God And his gift of enduring faith or persevering faith, which brings great confidence and profound joy to the believer. And that's what we want to look at today. And the question we've been looking at is, how can we have confidence that our salvation is secure? Now, there's a difference between just knowing that we are secure and having confidence, isn't there? We can sign a doctrinal statement. we can believe something. We can say yes, okay, I, I see that. That's logically uh, we can lay that logically out and say, yeah, I, I understand, I'm secure as a believer. But Peter wants to go beyond that and not just know it doctrinally, but he wants them to experience this. how do we, how do we come to confidence? How do we know for sure? How do we have that confidence? And Peter lays that out for us. This isn't just an information thing. Let me inform you, okay? You know, you got to hold to this, and that's the way I was taught when I was growing up. Well, you just hang on to this date and remember, remember this date and write this date down. It was the date you were saved. That's not what Peter is saying here. Peter's wanting confidence. I can know that I'm saved right now. I can know that. Like I said, there's a difference. And when you're facing persecution, you want to know that. You want to know. It's not just a doctrinal statement. Now, there's four elements here that I, I want us to look at. And we looked at two last week, and we're going to look at the last two this week. Four elements that point to a security of the believer. Points to the fact that believers are secure. And they don't just point to it, but they will yield in your life and in my life a confidence. A confidence. Yes, we are secure Number one, we looked at last week, God has preserved the believer's salvation secure in heaven. He has done that. Look at verse 4. To obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away. Now, he said it three times and he says reserved, reserved in heaven for you. Who are protected. Five times, five different ways he says the same thing. That your salvation is secure in heaven. And God has secured it. It's a promise. Number two, we saw that saints persevere because God gives them a persevering faith. God gives them an enduring faith. They do not just walk away. Look at verse 5. Who are protected by the power of God through faith. Or a salvation ready to be revealed, and we looked at Peter as an example last week. What was the difference between Peter? Peter denied Christ, but so did Judas. Judas denied Christ, didn't he? Well, what happened? Judas didn't come back. Judas, Judas didn't swallow his pride, and but in spite of the humiliation and the public shame, Peter came back. Peter was humbled. Peter's heart was broken. He wept bitterly and he came back. He came back to Christ. And that's the difference. This faith that will not die. It's it's a uh, a living hope, if you will. Now, number three. This is where we are. Confidence in our salvation comes through a tested and proven faith. You need to get this. This is so rich. This is so good. We need to understand this about our salvation. Look at verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice. Now in what? In the fact that you are saved. That you are protected. That your salvation, your inheritance with God is protected in heaven. It is protected by God. By the power of God. And it is protected through faith. He says in this you greatly rejoice. Now listen, when I have joy, when I'm rejoicing, there's confidence there, isn't there? There's a, there's a joy there. There's a confidence. And he says, uh, in this you greatly rejoice that your salvation is secure, that we have this, uh, this confidence in God. Even, listen, even in the midst of trial, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. Now, let's just think about this. You know, how do we know that our faith will hold up? How do we know that we have genuine faith? Faith has to be tested, doesn't it? Faith has to be be, uh, put under some pressure, some trials. And God does that. He does not just cause us to be born again and then put us in a little greenhouse where uh, He's protecting us and making sure nothing bad ever happens to us. And He protects us. And that's some of our parenting style, isn't it? And that's not the way God parents. No, He pushes you out there. He wants you to be strengthened. He wants you to be tested. Sometimes right away. He wants your faith to be be tested. And notice this in verse 6. Now, for a little while, testing is not always. It may be for a long time, but in comparison to all eternity, it is just a drop in the bucket. It's nothing. I like what uh, Paul had to say in Romans chapter eight, in verse eighteen. He says, "I consider that the suffering of this present time, sufferings of this present time, are not worthy to be compared to the glory that is to be revealed." I mean, really, when you compare it to all eternity, what's our 75 years, what's our 100 years here on this earth? It's nothing, even if we suffer the whole time. It's nothing, it's a drop in the bucket. It's temporary, he says. Even just for a little while, if necessary. And God deems it necessary that we suffer. God thinks that it's important for you to go through trials, for you to suffer. See, I don't like that. Look down at verse uh, chapter 2 and verse 21. He says this. For this you have been called. For what? For this purpose. Since Christ also suffered for you. Leaving you an example. We're called to suffer. We will suffer. That's just this Christian life. And it is to test us. It is to grow us. It is to strengthen us. We ha- there has to be enough pressure on our faith. There has to be enough sustained pressure upon our faith to purify that faith. To see the, the dross of that faith come to the top so that it can be scooped off and, and get rid of the impurities of that faith. Those thoughts in my mind that really are depending on me and not on God... Exposing that faith. That faith has to be tested. There has, and it's a necessary thing to produce purity, to produce strength, and it has to be under distress. He says, have been distressed by various trials. Trials bring distress. It causes us, and the word distress there means to grieve. To cause somebody to be sad, to cause pain, to cause sorrow. I don't like pain and I don't like sorrow. I don't like it at all. But it's necessary to reveal the genuineness of my faith. To reveal the weaknesses in my faith so that those can be exposed and those can be taken off. Now, you've seen these car commercials. These car commercials that uh, are testing the airbags, testing the safety of the cars. You've seen those. And uh, they put the, the test dummies in there. And they, they drive those cars at a certain speed and they crash into walls. Now that car that car doesn't feel good. But it's a necessary thing, right? And you, and you look at that and, and you think, man, do we have to crash the cars? I mean, that's a lot of money. Every time we, we have to crash one of those cars, it's more money. Yes, it's necessary to crash those, Right? Would you agree? And, and those test dummies, those test dummies, did they survive? What happened to these test dummies? And you evaluate that. That's the same thing that's happening here. That pressure, that crashing of our faith against, against uh, the, the world or against these trials. And our faith is, is slammed. But what happens? It's slammed by various trials. God takes us through various trials and various could be be a trial for you, various trials for me. Maybe different kinds of levels of trials, different spiritual maturity levels, different elements that God is working on our faith. But God brings those things about in our life to test us, to prove the genuineness of our faith. Actually, I just answered that question. Verse 7. Why? Why go through this? Why this persecution? Why this pain? So that, And this is so good, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not just praise and glory now, but praise and glory at the coming of Jesus Christ. Why are we tested? Why does our faith have to be tested? Because we want to know if it's real. If it's genuine. And it becomes more valuable to us. Gold is great here on earth. And it's it's important, isn't it? I mean, it's pretty valuable here on earth. But when you get into heaven, it's, it's really nothing. What is more valuable is faith it's more faith it's the faith that you have that is what is going to get us to heaven that is the ticket to eternal life and that faith has to be proven it cannot be a counterfeit faith that will not get you to heaven it cannot be a fake and if it's a fake i want to know it right here and right now so that i can correct it right so that i don't get up in heaven and say yeah you know what that faith didn't work I say how do you how do you get that how do you know that When a believer goes through a trial and his faith is still intact, when he goes through a trial and he still loves God and he's still rejoicing in God, his faith is intact, listen, that faith is a valuable uh, uh, commodity to him. It's valuable. This is more than just anchoring in the past. This is something that's happening right now. Produces a confidence now. Now, you've probably have seen this uh, antique road shows, you know, where they go around and they, they, will, come, they will look at your, your antiques, right? This show, I don't watch it all the time, but it's pretty neat to, to watch these guys. And these are professionals. I mean, they know, they can look at something and they can say if it's real or not. If it's a fake or if it's a counterfeit, they're going to know it. And man, they're just really good. They know the history. They know what to look for, the, the signature, they know the backing, they know what color or kind of paint uh, uh, they were using at this particular time, and they know a, a lot about the, the painter and those kinds of things. And they can tell, they can tell if it's a r- fake or if it's real. And, and that's kind of the idea here. We want to know, we are taking it before God. God, test me. Try me. I want to know that this faith will, will sustain me. Now, You remember when um, the $100 bills came out that were kind of strange looking? You remember those? And you think, eh, that's monopoly money right there. And, and I'd have one of these and I was thinking, yeah, there's no way that would be a $100 bill. And, um, and I was working retail at that time and I would take, a, I would take a, uh, one of those markers and I would mark them. Just to make sure, you know, because they would they would recover they would have a certain color about them. I want to know. You don't want to get up to the counter and then hand that person, they mark it and then they say, Oh, this is a counterfeit. We want to know. We want to know. How do we know? By the testing of our faith. The testing of our faith. I like what John MacArthur says. He says, God tests believers' faith to reveal its genuineness. He goes through, he goes. He does this not because he needs to discover who is true believer or not, but so that the believer will gain joy and confidence in the proven faith. Now that's the idea that Peter has here. He takes us through these things so that even in our hearts, so that we can know even within our heart that yes, my faith is intact. And I love God. Now, I have to ask myself that question, this question. How does my faith come through trials? What what does trials reveal about you? What does it reveal about me? Is my faith intact, or am I all over the place? Do we uh, do these trials? Do they produce confidence, uh, which produces joy? Um, because of a proven faith, do you go through them these trials and you say, "Yes, Lord, I am stronger now than I have ever been. I can I can walk by faith more than I ever have." Or does it create more doubts? Oh, God doesn't love me. Oh, God doesn't. He's not able to do this. He is He is not powerful enough to do this. Boy, I, I'm just in such a, a hard place. God can't even help. What kind of faith is that? It's a dead faith. The faith that the Bible talks about produces confidence and produces joy when it is tried. Now look at number four. We'll bring this one to a close. Number four. Here's another one. Confident joy of our salvation comes through faithfully living out our faith. It's just not just through The trials of life do we see this faith enacted. But it's just the the everyday, normal, daily living that we see this. This is the kind of faith that it is. It is a genuine faith. And it grips us to the point that we just have a relationship with God. It's just something that we do. You say, you can't even see God. Yeah, you're right. And I I don't know why. But look at at verse 8. It says, and though you have not seen Him. The world probably thinks we're crazy. You have a relationship with someone you don't see. Yeah. That's a little crazy, you know. I know. And you love Him. Yeah, I love Him. And though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him. That's the idea there, is that you are putting your faith in Him. You, you want to obey His Word, His will over your life, as opposed to your own will. Yes. Yes, I submit myself to Him. I believe in Him on a daily, regular, routine basis. Yeah. You greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and glory, full of glory. That's the kind of faith that's just normal, everyday kind of Christian faith. That is the real thing. And we have a, a joy and a love for Christ. We, we begin to realize that, that all of this spiritual things that we've been taught are now real. That God is real. And we begin to live in light of the reality of God. And, and we have this relationship with Him. We love Him for what He's done. Even though we cannot see Him. This faith has just so gripped our life that it changes the way we live. You have a relationship with a person you don't even know. You say you love Him. Yes, I love Him. Even though I don't know Him, you believe in Him. You're going to let Him rule your life even though you don't see Him now? Yes. Yes. And it causes just great rejoicing and joy in my own life. Folks, that is a profound faith. That is a supernatural faith that comes from God. And we looked at last week, for by grace you've been saved through faith. And that, not of yourself, it is a gift from God. It's a supernatural faith from God that causes us to love Him, even though we don't see Him. causes us to believe in Him and exercise faith in Him on a daily basis, even though we don't see Him now. And it causes us to to joy. And look at this. Great rejoicing with joy inexpressible. Wait a second. Joy inexpressible. That doesn't even make sense. Because joy is all this. Happy, happy, happy. Right? And this is joy that you can't even express. This is a joy. This is a faith that has produced a, a rest in your life. A peace in your life. A settledness to your life. That you can't even express the joy that's in your heart. Inexpressible and full of glory full of glory and the outcome of this faith this regular faith for a believer it's just it's just it's a natural thing this is just what we do we love god we want to obey god we want to b- believe in him and trust in him continue to put our faith in him and it causes us to greatly rejoice obtaining verse 9 obtaining As the outcome of this faith, of your faith, the salvation of your souls. It's a faith that continues. It's a faith that endures. We are not fully, we're not at our final stage of salvation yet, are we? Our final stage is when we're standing before God. In all of his glory, and we're standing before God in a glorified body. That's our salvation. That's the picture that he's pointing to, obtaining as the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your soul. Finally, we're there. Now, faith, though, is living as though you're there now. Living as though you're there now. And folks, this is not a faith that is stuck in the past. This is not a faith that that you're depending on. If If you've got this faith that you're depending on something that you did when you were three years old or when you were six years old and you have to go back to that, yeah, I was saved then and I'm hanging on to that. No, there's a faith in a true believer that is there now. If you just have a simple, human, superficial faith, it will not save you. If you have a faith that doesn't produce any kind of love for God, any kind of love for God's people and God's Word, if you have a a faith that allows you to be apathetic toward righteousness, toward obeying God, that is not a faith that will save you. That is not a biblical faith. It's not a biblical faith. And let me tell you, you should question. You should question in your own life. That kind of faith. And Peter talks in this passage about a faith that's supernatural. People, Peter says that we are born again to a living hope. A hope that does not die. And it's reserved for us in heaven. And it's, a, it's part of this faith that perseveres. And it produces confidence. When it goes through these trials, when it's proven, and we look at that and we say, wow! Wow! That's amazing. It's a supernatural faith. And it's proven when it goes through trials, when it's tested. But even on a regular day-to-day basis, we love God. And we simply trust and put our faith in God on a regular day-to-day basis. If you have a faith that comes through trials, and that faith is intact... In spite of the circumstances that you've just gone through and you still love God and you still and you still want to follow God, then that is something of great value. More valuable than gold. That is a ticket to eternal life. Eternal life. It's of great value. It is not those who just simply profess to be Christians that are eternally secure. But those who endure, they give evidence of a a true, genuine faith. A true, genuine salvation. God does not just give us eternal life and then just take it away. He does not cause us to be children of God and then cause us to be children of the devil. He doesn't just give us uh, salvation and then take it back. He's not that kind of God. In closing, let me read one passage to you. And at 2 Timothy, this is a passage you know well. Here's Paul's conclusion to this. Here's what Paul says. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. He says, This for this reason I also suffer. And he was in prison at the time. I suffer these things. I'm not ashamed, he says. For I know whom I have believed. I know. There's a confidence in my life. I know who I've put my faith and trust in. I know who I've been believed and am convinced that He is able to guard that which I have entrusted to Him until that day. Folks, that is confidence. That's not just, oh, I prayed a prayer 25 years ago. That is right now. Paul says, I'm in prison. And you know, I'm willing to suffer. I'm not ashamed at all because I know whom I have believed I have a relationship with Him. I still love Him even through this trial. Folks, that's the picture. That's the picture of an enduring faith. That's the kind of faith, if you are a genuine believer, that you have. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank You for Peter and for taking him through this public humiliation of denying You three times. And yet he came back. Oh, Lord, he was broken. He he was weeping tears of, of bitterness, weeping and crying, it says. But yet he came back. He didn't stay away. He couldn't. He couldn't. Because Christ interceded. Christ prayed for Peter's faith that it would not fail. And Lord, I thank you for Christ praying for us. Interceding for us on a daily basis. And thank you, Lord, for not putting us through trials that would overwhelm us. Not putting us through too much. You know just how much pressure to put on our lives. Lord, enough to produce this genuine faith enough to expose this genuine faith to our own selves Lord so that we can see it it's not for your benefit it's for our benefit that we can see it and we can come to the conclusion Lord this faith is invaluable this faith faith is incredible this is a supernatural faith we can put we can have confidence in it and then Lord just exercising it on a daily basis just loving you putting our faith in Your Word, trusting You to do what You say, trusting You on obedience. And the Lord, it causes great rejoicing. It causes so much joy in our heart that we really can't even explain. We can't even express it. Lord, what a rich salvation that we have. I thank You. Ours is the only posture that we can have, Lord, is gratitude and and in gratefulness for such a wonderful salvation, such a gift that You chose us before the foundation of the world and You caused us to be born again to a living hope. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, please stand. Please stand. This is the Word of God, folks. This is this is uh, what God has to say on the subject. And, I appreciate your attentiveness. I, I pray that you would take it to heart. I pray that you would go through these things even throughout the week and read through this again. So that it becomes part of your life, becomes who you are. Just to just to know this kind of faith. This this faith that will not let us go. It's a faith that is alive. Rich stuff. Have a great salvation, huh? Do. If we can help you throughout the week, we'd love to be able to do that. Um, I'll actually be here uh, in the church tomorrow and Friday, but not throughout the rest of the week. But if you can see us, uh, we'd like to talk to one of our deacons or elders. We'd love to be able to do that. Uh, I'll be in the back today. The Lord has cured me from my sniffles, and uh, so we're we're uh, thankful for that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, dismiss us with Your grace, with Your, with your pleasure. Lord, we, we seek to please You. And we know the only thing that will please You is a life of faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Lord, may we exercise this faith that You have given us on a daily basis. May You see our love for You. May You see our dedication and our obedience. And may you see rejoicing in gratitude in our hearts, and we pray in Jesus name. Amen. We're dismissed.